All right, speaking of the Brewers, though, what the hell happened last night, Rowdy? Jesus. And can we uh, send good positive thoughts to Travis Shaw's shoulder? Because that thing, I think he's done for the year. That takes you down to uh, three people who qualify for postseason hitting. Hey, he still qualifies stats. for now. For now, he still qualifies. <laughs> give him a yeah, week or two. Give him a week or two. We drop down to three. Who are, the, who are all the names that only uh, say it, RJ? I know you love the stats. So say oh, it with yeah. the, who qualifies. Oh, I gotta pull it up. Well, it'd be Avisel Garcia. It would be um, Travis Shaw for for the time being. For the time, time being, being. Would, uh, Luis Urias yep. and Jackie Bradley Lee. Jr. Yep. So four guys qualify. And the rest of it, wow. <laughs> wow. And then, Rowdy, tell the fine folks what happened last night with right-handed pitching uh, as the against the Brewers' bats. Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers have officially become the bottom of Major League Baseball against right-handed pitching. The Seattle Mariners have officially passed them. Well. 209 to 208. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. The Brewers last night, that game stunk. That was a tough watch. That was. Um, oh, it was, it was from the start. From the start, it was tough to watch. The very first inning when the Brewers were uh, in the field, it was tough because they couldn't do any of the little things right. It was like they say how sports is a game of inches. Every little... Brewers are off by feet. Got to do all the small (laughs) things. Yeah. Every little thing that could have went wrong went wrong for the Brewers last night. So Every little ball that, you know, maybe if they were an inch closer to, they could have made a play. Well, they happen to be an inch away from... And I'll even go out on a limb and say, some of those some of those strikes versus ball calls, wow, yeah, that tough. umpire behind the plate, that was Ooh. tough. They, I mean, Who was that? Yeah, by you the way? were you were like a couple of umpire ball calls. widths off the the edge, and I mean those were getting called both ways. But it seemed more of it was going against the Brewers. There is a Twitter account that grades every ump. I it was just a sloppy. Card. I don't think it's out yet. Oh, it's not. Brett Anderson just didn't look like he even wanted to be on the mound. No, he stunk. Yeah. Uh, it like That performance makes me wonder why you're trotting him out there to start in, in the first place. Like I'll take Lauer well, as, as my fifth starter Thankfully right that they're going with that six-man rotation now because of how they have these long stretch of games without yep. a day off, so they were – Obviously, technically, Lauer was going to be the sixth man in the rotation. Is this, is this one now 15 in a row? 16, I 16 believe. 16 again? But uh, thankfully, you have a guy like that in there because he was able to eat up four innings. Yeah. And <laughs> Thankfully. Well, you only had to use three pitchers. Yeah. You got uh, Brett Anderson, three innings, five earned runs, or uh, five runs, four earned. He didn't even strike out a single dead. As ERA is now 4.99, then Lauer came in, then Yard. Well, he just looked. Did you see when he walked out of the dugout and, like, into the clubhouse? He's just like, whatever. He just looked disheveled. Yeah. He looked like he, he I'll say it, he looked like a bum. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, B-U-M, bum. You, you could tell it was going to be a bad game for him in the second inning when he got up to the plate and had no clue how to bunt. I'm just like, eh. Well, I, it didn't even nah. look like he cared. No, that was the thing. Yeah, it was like, like nah. um, so listening to the to the broadcast. Obviously, there's two different feeds. Yep. And some streams you catch the Brewers, some streams you catch the Reds. Well, I have had a lot of the uh, opposing team streams lately, and the biggest thing was like one of the guys on their commentary team was talking about how he didn't even, he wasn't even in a good position to bunt because he didn't even have like his, his shoulder square to the plate or or like to the pitcher. And it was just kind of almost like a half-ass attempt at trying to bunt the base. You go back and watch it. He's even in the back, the back of the batter's box off the plate. His back shoulder is still kind of facing like the catcher, the bat is like up around his chin. It's like a shooting like, pool. Yeah, but he—it's <laughs> not like he was crouching. So it was like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, he almost looked disinterested. Right. Here, here's the. And uh, I think another alarming thing that we've seen, which we've talked about, how good, especially the starting pitching has been, which it has been. But it, is it just me, or have we had as Milwaukee Brewers a ton of errors from the pitcher position in the field? Like a ton of throwing errors or fielding errors. Because, yeah. again, Brett Anderson had another one last night. But I feel like there's been a ton of errors from Brewers pitching, especially when they're trying to pick someone off at first base. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. frustrating. Here's a here's a quote really quick from Brett Anderson saying, the first inning I felt, uh, the first inning I felt really good. 
Got weak contact, some unfortunate events there. Made a terrible pitch to Castellanos, and that was essentially the ball game. End quote. <laughs> okay, now, is dude. that a dig at some of the hitters? Uh, it could be. Because if he knows that, you know, there was some soft, there was some soft contact. That's why I said at the very beginning of the game, it was like whatever could have went wrong started going wrong from mm-hmm. the first time they were out in the field. Yeah. Ugh. But was that a diss at the hitters, knowing that uh, once he gave up a couple runs, the game was over? That was it? I'll, I'll, read, <laughs> all, what he said. I'll read it one more time. The first inning, I felt really good. Got some weak contact, some unfortunate events there. Made a terrible pitch to Castellanos on 3-2, and that was essentially the ball game. End quote. Because if he's talking about the very first inning, which he is, it was 2-1 to one after one inning. Yeah. yeah. And then in the second inning, it uh, didn't help, obviously, because Travis Shaw went uh, diving for that ground ball in the... And then second, like I said, and then shoulder done. Yeah. See you, bye bye. I think he's. I don't think he's coming back this year. I don't think he's coming back this year either. That, that was tough. Uh, injury update, really quick. Lorenzo Kane was uh, working out on the field before the game, but Craig Council said that July first is likely the earliest that Low Kane could return. I mean, they're deep enough at at the outfield positions where okay, I injury, think you'll be okay. There. I feel like though, you could see this coming. Yeah, with well, me, Lorenzo Kane. Well, let me ask you guys really quick uh, on the injury that just happened, Travis Shaw. What the hell are they going to do at third base? They just moved Urias over there, right? What are they going to do moving forward? Well, one, you got to hope that uh, <laughs> Colton Wong is coming back soon. Yeah, yeah. you would imagine. No, Colton. Remember Colton Wong? You hope so, but Colton Wong said that he was going to take even more time on the IL. You don't want because uh, he, Jace Peterson out there? Because Colton Wong rushed back from that oblique injury, and yeah. then he went on the IL again because of the same injury. He's like, yep. well, I'm going to take even longer on the IL. The last update on Colton Wong was he's going to return sometime in June. <laughs> so, I mean, that's there not a go. very descriptive return. Hey, that's before July 1st, so there, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's less than a month. Uh, <laughs> but same thing. Hopefully Colton Wong is back sooner than later because if uh, Arias continues to perform at a higher level that he has been since the Willie Adamas trade and then you get a gold glover and Colton Wong back in the lineup, a guy that has been your leadoff hitter that was hitting 280 before he got hurt, mm-hmm. obviously – you're not going to miss Travis Shaw as much because even before that Colton Wong injury, Travis Shaw's May and even beginning of June here were atrocious. Yeah. Like he helped carry your team in April when no one was swinging the bat, but at once uh, some of the other bats started coming back online, <laughs> Travis Shaw's went offline hey, real quick. Hey, hey the mayor ding dong had the insurance runs yeah, on uh, I mean, Tuesday. Th- th- that was a good at bat there to see, but yeah, for the most part, um, and you and Urias, got his claws into him, and Urias has out. been a guy that has been coming on, and he can play third base. Mm-hmm. And you saw even in the last few weeks, it was becoming more and more of a platoon there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you're gonna miss him a little bit, but if but you get guys back like you're supposed to get guys back, it's not like you lost a, an all star. So today, this afternoon, first pitch, 11.35, nice and early. Freddie Peralta on the mound. Last time he uh, had pitched, he came within five outs of a no-hitter. So the finale this afternoon in the rubber match, I saw this last night, the broadcast threw this up, the aces in the rotation this season with NL ranks. Brandon Woodruff, 1.42 ERA, third. His whip, 0.74, third. His opponent's average, 150 as third in the NL. How about this? Corbin Burns, his ERA 1.97, fifth. His whip, 0.71, second. Freddie Peralta, his ERA 2.25, tied for eighth. His whip, 0.88, that's seventh. And uh, his opponent's average is second in the league at 1.33. How sick is that? Is that good? Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Maybe Brett Anderson. I mean, maybe, maybe Brett Anderson was jealous. He was just <laughs> yeah, like, doesn't sound like, like good. Okay, I'm never featured. Screw it. <laughs> I don't know, what, are you, what are you thinking, Rowdy? Brewer's going to get You know, gonna get you know who be, should be more jealous? Adrian Hauser. His numbers aren't. No, like, Adrian Hauser's got pretty good numbers. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd throw him up in, into that aces in the rotation. <laughs> Ace. He's not that far behind in strikeouts and stuff. Well, I mean, that's that's why we continue to praise the starting pitching. Yeah. Because. Unless your name's Brett Anderson. When, huh? Huh? What? when Adrian Hauser is a guy that's really not being talked about at all. Yeah. Like, we've talked about Adrian Hauser more for his bat because he hit two home runs against the same pitcher in Miami than we've talked about his pitching. But the guy's got an ERA in the mid-threes, and he's your number four starter. Yep. Yeah, and really, you can think of 
one start where you're just like, yeah, he didn't have it. Other than that, it's been like, this guy's doing pretty good this year. Yeah, and again, you can hit some dingers off of one pitcher, but hey, come on. But, but you just keep on playing him for the year. <laughs> it's kind of hard. It's kind of like uh, with the Bucks and the Nets. It's like, man, you got to prove to me that you're going to do anything, or why would I believe that the Bucks <laughs> can win this game tonight? That's kind of the thing right now when you're already creeping up into mid June. Like, we're starting to get to the point of the season where it's like, dude, these are what these guys are this year. And I, why would why would I believe any of them are going to step up out of nowhere? What's crazy is, I mean, when you say that, Rowdy, the Brewers are still thirty four and twenty seven. Uh, now they're second in the NL Central, but they're they're worse scoring wise this year than they were last year. Except last year was abysmal. This year they're in between first and second in the NL Central. Well, I just think you just watch some of these these batters and you just don't understand what you're seeing. It's like. You can see guys like Christian Yelich and Jackie Bradley Jr. have really good approaches, some at-bats, and then the next at-bat, it's like, what the hell was that? What the hell are you doing, and Jackie? It's, and it's like, we, we He's haven't seen that. Style. We <laughs> haven't seen that from Christian Yelich, even though he entered the big leagues at like 20. Yeah. We haven't seen those type of at-bats from Christian Yelich besides the last two years. The only guy who's crushing it really is uh, Willie Adamas, who was a beast yesterday. Yep. Well, it's like, well, he's been a beast ever since the Brewers got him. How can Jackie Bradley Jr. have such a good approach where he just shoots the ball to the left side of the infield for a base hit, and then all of a sudden is completely whiffing on a curveball that's extremely low <laughs> yeah. on a full count pitch? I mean, it's how can you go from one great approach to just such a terrible one. Yeah, it's like when uh, NBA players can't hit their free throws. I mean, I can tell you exactly you how you can go from that to that. But oh, I mean, I think it's two words. Andy Haynes. That's a bingo. So, but like, you still go into it. Narvaez still looking good. He's the highest on on the team, hitting three eleven right now or something like that. Um, Avicel Garcia or Avicel? Just go Avi. Avi Garcia. Avi Garcia. <laughs> Um, Obviously, Yale. You know, hitting almost 250. Obvious. And then since joining the Brewers, Adamas is hitting 300, 229 overall. He good. Um, that boy but, good. I mean, the rest of these guys, when, when they talk about the Brewers hitting, turning around, it's not. You're still talking about the same now three guys who are doing all your hitting, and the rest of the guys get... A hit here or there. And it's kind of funny because we're talking about, oh, this guy is playing well and he's doing this. Like, Narvaez is playing well, and I think from a Brewers fan perspective, he's playing better than the the guy you thought you were getting in 2020. Yeah. He's playing better than that. But you look at Avisel Garcia, those numbers that he's putting up, the I'd say the production's a little high than what you expect, but like the batting average and everything, yeah. the defense... That was what you were expecting when you paid him almost $11 million a year. So it's not like he's shining like he's this bright star. He's just better than all the trash (laughs) that everyone else has been. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously, though, when when you look at the rest of the roster, it's like who's playing up to their ability. Obviously, Willie Adamas hasn't been here for for more than three weeks. So it's like... Don't let Andy Haynes stain him. Jury's still out. Like, he could have a next... Two months and I mean, be terrible. Outside of a horrible dive at a ball yesterday, Garcia is doing pretty well. All right, here's what we're gonna do, you know, boys. That's it. It's Ice. Garcia. It's Garcia playing to expectations, and it's Narvaez exceeding them, and everyone else below. Brewers lose last night. Five game winning streak snapped. Travis Shaw, his shoulder snapped. Separated. <laughs> Separated. Technically, I'm not a doctor. Man, the what are they gonna do at third base then? Is that Luis Urias's then? Since they moved him over there, well, you would think that, but Colton Wong's not healthy, so I guess it's going to be a toss-up. Who do the Brewers and Craig Council prefer playing? Would you rather prefer Urias playing third base and Jace Peterson playing second base, Jeez, or would you rather prefer Urias playing second base <sighs> and I believe uh, Pablo Reyes playing third base? My God. And then you got to throw in the first base conundrum as well. Because that production. I know Daniel Vogelback hit a dinger last night. I'll say this, though. The last couple of weeks, Daniel Vogelback has been putting some good at-bats together. Not oh. that the not that the uh, production has been there. Oh, where, hey. Where the average. Wasn't he batting 199? At least he's batting 213 now. 
Yeah, he's raised Moving his on. average a little bit. I mean, he's had some production with the home runs, but uh, overall, I think his at bats look better. To to the naked eye, they look better. And last night, he was the victim of some bad calls. Oh, I think every atrocious. single time he stepped into the box, that was no bueno, Rowdy. Um, but yes, who was umping last night? By the way, who was home plate umpire? I don't know, but but um, Does it, Daniel Vogelback is obviously not the long term solution at first base. Well, what is the, What is the solution at first base? Keston Hira can't hit the broadside of a barn when he's in the majors. The dude's too good for AAA, not good enough for the majors right now. Daniel Vogelback is Daniel Vogelback. Like, what? Is Ryan Braun coming back in July? I know we could have him hey, play first base. there was a video that was uh, surfaced on Twitter the other day of him uh, taking some at-bats in a cage. Well, I saw all kinds of people like, Ryan Braun coming back in July. Braun back in July. Is bringing... Okay, let's let's let's... Entertain the madness. Hey, him, him, and Rogers were buddies, right? Yeah, they were until they had that falling out. Yep, with the I'm innocent. Yep, and this time it wasn't Rogers' fault; it was Braun's fault. Yeah, at least that's what we were told. Hey, the truth is, he's innocent. Okay, maybe Ryan Braun just didn't really feel like getting ready for the full season. He's only got <laughs> half a year left in him since the last few years. It only felt like he played half a year. Well, he so played he wanted, sixty games. He 61. wanted to skip. He wanted to skip all the the pre. Pre-season uh, stuff. He wanted to skip the spring training and hell, skip about half the year, and he'll come back fresh, yeah. kind of recharged, almost like Rogers wants to skip all of the training camps, the mini camps, maybe even the preseason. Hey, he'll show up the <laughs> Bron- first week of September. Ronnie wanted to just wait it out for a while to see how if the Brewers are going to be good or not, and if he'd be needed. Uh, so his wife Larissa Braun, I just found it on the Twitter sphere. She had an Instagram story of Ryan Braun taking some swings. Yeah, that's probably what went viral. Yeah, I'm looking. It's literally he's just like at one like a swing. little like stadium. Yeah, like he's, at, he's like at some like rundown type field, podunk ballpark. It looks like there's no one there. Looks like just him and his wife, and maybe someone pitching him some balls. And he's just taking some cuts. And I can't help but wonder: Will Ryan Braun, please God, well, come back in July? Because what's could it get any worse at first base right now? Let's talk about more of a realistic option. Oh, is this unrealistic? I think there's more realistic options. Like, <laughs> so you're talking about you want a you know a mid-season acquisition. That's yeah. basically what it would be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you were David Stearns and the Milwaukee Brewers right now, and the Brewers continue to be in this position that they're in, right around the the top of the NL Central, now are we are we the buyer sellers or stamp hatters? Not that, but because I'm already assuming that you have to be a buyer. I mean, if you're if you're within you're in a, contention, if you're within a game. Of the division, yep. and you're within a couple games of the wild card. How are you not a buyer? That's you're, a good. You're point. a loser if you're not a buyer. Wasn't the wasn't the uh, rumors out there that the Brewers were maybe I just read this. I don't know if you did that they were trying to get a Jesus Aguilar back. That was some stuff that was floated out there. That was a couple weeks I mean, ago. It's not out of the realm of possibility because the Marlins obviously aren't great. It's not like uh, Jesus Aguilar is going to be the first baseman of their future when they are supposedly rebuilt. Yeah. But uh, what are you going after, though? First base, third, third base? Because you're pretty set up the middle, especially with Wong and Adamas and Urias going to be the all-time yeah. utility. You're pretty much, you would think, set at the catcher position, even though Manny Pena is not really bringing a whole lot with the stick. But uh, Narvaez is hitting the ball well, has played better defensively than you expected him. Man. I think it's got to be an outfield. You got a hundred guys in the outfield that are getting paid a ton. Well, was can Luis Urias play third? Do you think he'd be fine at third? I think first base is the true problem. You have Daniel Vogelback who for maybe like two weeks is good. And Keston Hira who can't stay in the majors. Yeah. But see, they, I feel like they're still tied to Keston Hira and they think he's really going to be, or at least hoping he's going to be the, the real deal at first base. And obviously, they're they still have their their minds made up on him for now. But I just have a gut feeling here that we are going to continue to see the starting pitching throw the ball well. Now, maybe not the, as perfect as Burns and Woodruff and Peralta has been, but we're going to see good starting pitching. Yeah. And the bullpen is the thing that's kind of been way more well, that's to be the other, desired. That's the other thing, too, though. They go get some more arms in the bullpen. Because right now, that, that bullpen is is toiling anywhere between the 8th worst bullpen to the 12th worst bullpen, which neither of those, if you're down there, is... What the hell just happened? 
lights flickered off. The lights for a just second. all. I think the power just went out. But uh, hopefully someone paid the bill. You need to be a better than a a bottom tenish bullpen. And yes, the bullpen. What's the biggest issue right now, Rowdy? Bullpen, first base, or third base? I think it's all, it's all of them, obviously. Yes, but what's the one that you're like needs immediate addressing? It's such it's such a good question. It, it sounds like a poll. I'm because the starting pitching has been so good, and you have a guy named Josh Hader, and you have a guy named Devin Williams that really has flashed at times this year. Here, here we got. I'm gonna uh, have to go. It's either gonna have to be first or third base. We have a new we have a new follower, a new uh, a viewer on Twitch. Twitch.tv says, "Oh my God, I'm glad I found you guys. Packers, Badgers, Brewer, Bucks. That's my uh, that's my where my bread is buttered." Says trade for Story, make some moves to get Trevor Story on the Brewers. Seattle, I hate that move. That's in my opinion. Uh, the uh, the Twitch handle is thick, thick cheddar. Thick cheddar. That's, uh, hell yeah. Thick that's cheddar, that's like the obvious big name that everybody wants. That's a coveted trade chip at the deadline, right? All right, he's throwing so out some names at us. Jose Ramirez in Cleveland would be nice. He does play third base. That that would fit one, but that would also uh, take a lot of a lot of prospects, which the Brewers might not have there. Kyle Seeger. Now that's actually what one that I could get on board hey, with. Hey, Rowdy. That's a plus glove at third base for the Mariners. That's a guy that... Uh, Do you think the Brewers are going to be buyers, though? Yeah, yes, I think they'll be buyers. Like, like a legit buyer, not like some rinky-dink no. move? No. Huh? No. They're so, not... so they'll do some like tiny little couple little moves here and there? Yes. That's, that's they, what Don't they already kind of blow their load on um, acquiring Jackie Bradley Jr.? Well, it's like, if you're the Milwaukee Brewers, who are you going to trade? I say that? I said that. <laughs> who are you going to trade? Like, what prospect do you feel comfortable getting rid of? Does it... Like, I mean, what prospects do they even have? Garrett Mitchell. Garrett Mitchell, you just drafted him last year. You're keeping him. Yeah, and he's been playing quite well when healthy in the minor leagues. We even saw that in spring training. Uh, who's that dude that was tearing the cover off the ball in the minors, too? There's some other guy that was hitting well, pretty good. Well, Garrett Mitchell is is the guy that you would hope to be your outfielder of the future, especially with Kane and, and Bradley Jr. and Garcia all probably going to be gone within the next couple years. Yeah. You have Bryce Terang, who was a first-round pick a couple years ago. Terang. He's starting to hit the ball well, I believe, at double-A. Uh-huh. But right now you have Colton Wong, you have Adamas, and you have uh, Urias, all the same guys that play second shortstop. Yep. So obviously that's a guy that maybe you want to part ways with, but if uh, you really still don't feel comfortable with Urias, you might want to keep because that's your f- another future middle infielder. <sighs> and then outside of those guys... You look at uh, some of the cats that are on the uh, top 30 prospects for the Brewers. They're not a ton of guys on there with names that are going to command any type of uh, package to trade for a Trevor Story or a Jose Ramirez type player. Because if you trade for one of those, especially the Jose Ramirez one, if you trade for a guy like that, you're pretty much emptying out that, uh, that already... You're emptying your clip? Yeah, that already lowly ranked farm system. Man, like, and I think I personally think that the Brewers, yeah, they have a bad farm system. It's one of the worst in baseball. But if they truly wanted to go grab one big name, they could go and get rid of basically their entire farm system to go get them. But would it be worth it? Yeah, that's the question. And well, here's the thing: is the story one why it doesn't even make sense is because he plays shortstop. You now would be making your third straight trade for a shortstop when Adamus has played extremely well. Yeah, and. Story's only here for the rest of the year. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. <sighs> All right, here's what we're gonna do, Rowdy. There's a lot of there's there's so many questions with the Milwaukee Brewers, and right now not a lot of answers. But here's the thing: they're still in contention for first place in the NL Central. Uh, they did lose last night after winning five in a row. That was snapped. Cubs. Beat the freaking Padres. I can't explain. Yeah, what's the going Padres the Cubs. haven't been helping out there at all. No, so the Brewers are right there. They're like they're there. The thing is, what are they going to do? Because there's no way if the sticks continue to be. And what are they now against right-handed pitching? The worst. <laughs> they are the worst hitting team in baseball against right-handed pitching. The Mariners in a loss last night actually raised their average one point. Brewers did not change it, so now it's uh, Brewers dead last at two oh eight. How they keep winning is beyond me. I know they lost last night, but how they keep winning, because they've been winning a lot lately, is crazy with their lack of... I mean, they live and die by the long ball. That's what it is. 
yesterday, before we get to Robbie, I wanted to have a little comment here from Jordan Love. We had it in the 6 o'clock hour right away to start the show. And then haven't really heard from Jordan Love yet, so I'm going to rehash it here. But yesterday, Jordan Love was balling on him by all reports. He had a very dismal, abysmal Tuesday start of the minicamp practice. And a lot of people are like, man, all he really did was check it down. And if he was throwing it deep, he overshot guys or just didn't look that good at all. A lot of people said it was nerves, though. He's nervous, Rowdy. It's first mandatory minicamp. You know, well, ask about Rodgers. As a professional stuff. football player and an NFLer, I would rather have Jordan Love overthrowing his receivers than underthrowing them. Yes. If I, if you had to choose one of the two. Correct. <laughs> because one means he's got the arm. The other one means there's more to be desired there. And what do you know about uh, quarterbacks in the NFL? It's tough to be a good, if not great, quarterback in the NFL if you don't have the arm strength. Well, yeah, I think, man, how many teams in the NFL would like a guy that got like raw arm strength? Probably. Well, I mean, seventy-five percent of them name, down the field. Name a name a quarterback that's good. Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, though. Yeah, oh, great arm him. strength. Yeah, I mean, Drew Drew Brees and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, all back in their day in their primes. Great, arm great strength. arm strength. Yep. We don't talk about like we don't talk about guys like Kirk Cousins and <laughs> and like quarterbacks like that and be like great arm strength. Yeah, well, Kirk. No, we don't talk about you, really. Well, we make fun of Kirk Cousins. Well, Rowdy, if you don't have the arm strength, you kind of get made fun of, right? Well, it's just it limits your game. We like that, you, Kirk. And what you can do. Yeah. So, Jordan Love, not the greatest on Tuesday. First practice of mandatory minicamp. Okay. Well, yesterday, and you'd rather have good news than bad news, right? Yesterday, Jordan Love, balling. He went in a two-minute drive to cap it off. Seven for ten. And to cap it, hit Alan Lazard, uh, stretched out Lazard in the end zone for a tutty. Uh, I was reading some reports, you know, Jordan Love hit A.J. Dillon on the right sideline for a 30-yard wheel route. He had a free play deep to Lazard for 45 yards, a deep corner route to Juwan Winfrey for 30 yards, a deep sideline throw to Aaron Jones for 30 yards. The tight end coach afterwards had to go up to Jordan Love, and it could have been because of the heat, but also because of how good that arm was looking for Jay Love. He started fanning Jordan Love with his play sheet. I like to see that, Rowdy. That means your coaches are impressed. And if your coaches are impressed at the professional level, it means you're doing something right. When I saw these headlines and all these articles and tweets and everything coming out about Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers and their their practice yesterday, Mm -hmm. I started thinking quite a bit about it. And what we know about Jordan Love is that he's a pretty good athlete he has a phenomenal arm. Phenomenal. And he had pretty good accuracy his junior year. Then his senior year, you move it forward. You know, you have Gary Anderson take over. <sighs> Some things change. A couple of his weapons graduate and move on to the next level. And it was kind of just him out there in an offense that didn't necessarily fit him, trying to be the hero, trying to use that arm strength to fit it into every little window and make plays. And he developed a lot of bad habits, yeah. or at least that's what scouts say. Yep. Gary Anderson. Now, mm. since then, what what do we know has happened with Jordan Love in his, in his career? Well, the Packers traded up to go get him, so they must like him, and they must like him a lot. Yep. Especially when having an MVP in Aaron Rodgers, a multiple-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers. Three times. Just like Brett Favre. And Farr. you obviously like him a lot to trade up and go get him. The guy's got the ceiling. He's got the arm. He's got the potential, Rowdy. We moved forward into COVID, and we didn't get mm. to see him practice. We didn't get to see him do anything well, really hang on. with the team. We saw him practice. One, we saw one video. Yeah, it was one. That was in season, though. I'm talking like preseason. Oh, leading up, yeah, because it was there all was canceled. No training camp. It was all by yourself. Like, like, hey, honor system. Exactly. Make sure you're doing this stuff. There was no preseason for which he was able to play in. Then when the season started. We saw the one video of like a 10-yard pass where he threw it about eight yards. Right into the dirt. And skipped it there. And he's supposed to throw it into a net. It wasn't the most flattering Jordan Love video you could have ever seen. No. And obviously, you have Matt LaFleur coming on and talking about how he only got one to two reps with the the ones 
a day during practice in the season because you had Aaron Rodgers and you had uh, Tim Boyle in front of him there. We never even saw him suit up, so we were not feeling very confident in Jordan Love because, like, man, if Tim Boyle's ahead of you, like, what what are we doing here? Now, now <laughs> what are we what are we doing here? Natural gifts, natural gifts. Come on, that's not even a competition. Jordan Love's got more natural talent than Tim Boyle does. But Tim Boyle knows the offense. Yeah. Tim Boyle had been there for a couple of years. He's a company man now. He's a made man with the Packers. And, and Tim Boyle Lower level. looked good holding a clip. Uh, yep. You know, a clipboard. Like, okay, whatever. Well, we don't really know what Jordan Love was. And then you move into this year, and you have Matt LaFleur on the podium saying, yeah, well... You know, we've we've seen some things we like from Jordan. We got to continue to coach him and work him because he makes needs sense. to get better. Yep. And he needs more reps. And now he's getting this opportunity. But I'm starting to think like this. Is Aaron Rodgers kind of trying to pull his own Tom Brady in his own way? Do you remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was there and he had been there? Now, this is a little different because he had been there a while. You'd seen him in preseason. You've seen him in a few games where he looked decent. Bill Belichick seemed to like him. Yep, yep, yep. And Tom Brady's thinking about his career and his legacy, about continuing to be the New England Patriots quarterback. Yeah, and Tom Brady felt a little slighted, and he wanted, you know went to Robert Kraft and said, wait, what's going on here with this Jimmy Garoppolo guy? Yeah, I know I got at least five years in me. Because that was when everyone's like, okay, once you get to 40, you're going to start to fall off. going to start to fall off because everyone does. Yep. And then Brady's like, no, I changed all my stuff, my diet, my workouts, so that I can prolong my career. I'm going to play till I'm 45. Yeah, so he went to Robert Kraft. He's like, yo, Kraft, can you reschedule your, um, you know, your uh, massage appointment here? I got to talk to you really quick. I don't like this Jimmy Garoppolo guy. But you know why I think Tom Brady did that? Because he knew that Jimmy Garoppolo could play a little bit. And he knew that he was getting older, so he had to protect his he had to protect his spot. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Who has seen Jordan Love outside of the coaches? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Now we can't make the we can't make these decisions cuz we just haven't been able to see him. Even like our sports director Zach Heilprin who goes to many of the practices when they're eligible. Yeah. The thing is, a lot of the reporters haven't been eligible in the last year and a half to really go see any of the practices. <clears throat> so you're not no one's really seeing anything. Yeah, the, remember they the changed actual, the rules? Remember they changed yeah. the rules where you couldn't like go to a bunch of practices and couldn't see a bunch of the practices? You couldn't report on a bunch of the practices? No one's no one's. It's really like they kept able they kept see. they kept Jordan Love in a basement and wouldn't let him out for the longest time. Now, obviously Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, and Jordan Love are all in on these meetings. And you're never going to get a straight answer for any of them. But maybe Aaron Rodgers, in the few times that Jordan Love got to fling the ball around, maybe he did <laughs> see something Uh-oh. where it was like, okay, maybe this guy is decently good. Like, look at the Brett Favre of Aaron Rodgers. How oh, many guys? Yeah. Brett, Favre, uh, Brett Favre hated Aaron Rodgers when at rep- first. When reporters were brought in, we're like, okay, this Rodgers kid has something. He's got an arm. He's got talent. And then you got to see a little bit of it when uh, Favre left the Cowboy game. Yep. And uh, people are like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, there's something here. There's some. He, I mean, he was okay. And Favre's, get, but Favre was getting but there's older. flashes. Maybe Aaron Rodgers, being one of the handful of people that have actually seen it, has seen the same exact thing. And he goes, but I'm the MVP. I got to protect myself, even if this kid's up and coming. Because, yeah, I mean, you're onto something there. I mean, Aaron Rodgers would have the most knowledge than anyone else has the coaches. And he's right there with him. And he knows, yeah. I'm or the was, MV- now he's in Hawaii. I'm the MVP, but also look at my contract. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that you would say, well, maybe he'd restructure, but maybe he doesn't want to restructure. Maybe he wants the money. All right, mean, yeah. If you sign the contract, you don't necessarily so, have to. All right, we got Rob Reichel coming up here to talk more about this because, you know, he was there. But I have comments before we get to Rob that I wanted to get to before we run out of time on Jordan Love being asked. I'm glad you brought up Aaron Rodgers about number 12. Here is Love on what it's been like for him personally. Well, the Rodgers story is in the news every single day. Uh, let me uh, just turn this fader up. Here you go. Take a listen. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's I've just been living my life, man, just, just trying to do what I can do to to get better um, in this offseason. And obviously, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next, you know, just got to um, – my main thing has been controlling what I can control and uh, – you know, do my best to... All right, I'm going to pause it really quick. He sounds like a guy who's trying not to say the wrong thing. Like, he's really trying not to, like, let a story pop out here from these journalists. Here, here's, here's, here's more. Like I said, get better every day um, so that I'm ready. You know, whatever the circumstance may be come season, um, just do my best to be ready for myself, for the team, and for everybody here. Um, yeah. 
And uh, your other question, yeah, me, uh, obviously me and Aaron, we got a good relationship. Um, talked to him probably a week before I got out here. So, yeah. Hmm. You going to say something? Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know how everyone says, well, Aaron Rodgers learned from Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. As in, like, how he wasn't going to handle this. <laughs> well, Except here we are. Maybe Jordan Love is learning from Aaron Rodgers. Do you remember when Brett Favre was going back and forth about retirement? I mean, I don't see how anyone could forget. Aaron, you never heard anything from Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers never said anything that upset the boat. No. he was Aaron Rodgers was a company man. Uh, I mean, here, Jordan Love's trying to do the same exact thing. Here's more from Jordan Love on how he's trying to prevent the Rodgers story becoming a personal distraction. Um, yeah, I mean, the way I do it is just I don't listen to, you know, any of the outside noise. And, you know, I just try and stay, in, stay true to myself and understand that I can't control anything that's, you know, going on outside of the, the building. I can just focus on how I can get better each day and, uh, control, like I said, control what I can control. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do. Um, I got, I got good people around me that, you know, are able to help keep me, help me keep a level head. So, uh, yeah. So here's the thing. If Aaron Rodgers is going to hold out or retire or God forbid, get traded. And let's say Jordan love is quarterback one. Jordan love was asked. How confident is he on being ready to start week one if there is no number 12? Take a listen. 100%. Um, obviously, this is a time where you know, I'm getting a lot of extremely valuable reps that you know I might not have been getting in a normal circumstance. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, you know, going to take it day by day. And, uh, you know, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I'm here for. I'm, I was drafted here to play quarterback. So, uh, I'll definitely be ready week one. All right. I mean, he's got confidence. I just think it's interesting because if uh, Aaron Rodgers thought that he in any way down the road could be a threat, because like we said, he's one of the few people that have seen him every day. Mm. Maybe this is his way of being like the Tom Brady of saying, well, get me locked in for the long haul. I'm the MVP. You've seen what I've done on there. And it's just basically trying to protect his spot because he is getting older. He is getting paid a lot more and, well, Ted Thompson had the nuts to go uh, say, hey, we're moving on from you, Brett. We're yeah. going with the kid. All right, I see the phone line's blowing up. One second. One more. Uh, speaking of phoners, Jordan Love, two clips ago, said he did talk with Aaron Rodgers about a week ago. He was asked about the phone call and if he had any hint that Rodgers might sit out. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a private conversation between me and him, so uh, I'm not going to dig in the details of that. But, uh, no, you know, I was, I guess, just as surprised as you guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I did not know. What was going to happen? So, yeah, yeah, I, he could have, but he's not going to tell us. My number one pick of any draft of any time when it comes to covering Wisconsin sports, especially the Packers, Rob Reichel, Forbes.com, Conley Media. Robbie, what's up, my brother? Yeah, you're right on the soap opera. I mean, days of our lives, one life to live. General Hospital had nothing on this, right, Evo? <laughs> Rob, I mean, uh, Hollywood can't make a good movie to save their lives anymore. Everything's rebooted. You know, everything is just a rehash of something. I don't know why they just don't turn this into a, like a big time movie because whatever's happening with Rogers, the Packers, and Love, it's it's God. I'd buy a ticket every weekend to see it, Robbie. Well, and Evo, they, they, this could be a two part movie, right? They could start back in the summer of '08, and they could make the Brett Favre, you know, summer saga their their first movie, and this could just be the sequel. Oh. You know the. We, we we know the far ending. We ju- we just don't know this ending. No, it could be like the it could be a trilogy. No, and then uh, when love takes the mantle, then you could have it's like uh, the new age Star Wars. Rob, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, then Return of the Jedi. We just have to think of some different names here. But Rob, all right. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Rogers. Besides, he's not at mandatory minicamp. But uh, Jordan Love obviously is at the epicenter of this by no fault of his own. Tuesday, bad practice. Yesterday, lit it up. How excited should we be getting, of, or uh, how much should we be being attention and our hopes up and yada, yada, yada over two practices so far? Well, a little bit, I think. You know, again, don't get too crazy, right? It, it, it's June. It's in helmets and shorts. It, it's a time where these guys should look pretty good, uh, in all honesty, evil. But, but at the same point in time, nobody has seen a day – from Jordan Love like quite like yesterday. Um, now, again, part of that is because he had almost no reps last year, being number three behind Rodgers and Boyle. They would get almost every single practice rep, and, and he would get very few. Um, when, when you flash back to his summer 
of 2020, Evo. You know, even then, um, it, it was really tough for this kid to get up to speed quickly because he had uh, nothing but, you know, virtual OTAs, virtual mini camps, uh, no training camps, you know, for the most part to speak of, no preseason games. So it, it was clearly the, the best Jordan Love has looked in a practice, at least open to the media, mm-hmm. Evo. Um, so I, I think that's highly encouraging, especially coming off of, you know, a hit and miss kind of day like he had on Tuesday. Um, there's clearly a, a skill set and, and, and a number of tools there, which is, which is why the general manager picked him in the first place, right? The general manager thought to himself, um, you know, in April of 2020, this is a top 10 talent. And, mm-hmm. and how often do the Packers get a chance to take a top 10 talented quarterback and, and maybe continue – this, this trend of outstanding quarterback play, which we see now since 1992. The Packers don't get that kind of chance, Ebo. And, 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 and yesterday has to be a really encouraging sign, not just for the coaching staff, but Brian Goodicoach, too, to, to think deep down, you know what, I, I really stuck my neck out there on, on this pick. It's, it's led to all this chaos and all this drama. But like we've said time and time on these airways, Ebo, if this kid can play, Really, no matter what happens moving forward, the Packers are set up to look pretty darn good. All right, Rob Reichel joining us right now. So, Rob, uh, I asked Nelson this early in the show, or in the wee hours of 6 a.m., and I, he couldn't think of anything, neither could I. Was this the first time outside of draft night that Jordan Love was made available to the media to talk to? I went back and I looked that up yesterday, Evo. Yeah, there was actually a time in August, one, one time, middle to late training camp that he was but but yeah otherwise in this you know zoom world we now live in and and i'm terrified that it's going to continue into the season yeah. when the when, when the nfl begins that that seems to be some of the some of the dreadful rumors hey, Rob, that are lingering if you give there. if you give people in positions of power an inch they're going to take a mile and never give it up so watch the zoom thing well, be the norm Yep, and when he can control the narrative, like they will be allowed to do now moving forward every single day, right? Yep. You know, if MBS drops a touchdown pass, they don't need to put him on a Zoom call, right? If, if if Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love throws four interceptions, they don't need to put him on the Zoom call. So, yeah, if, if, if they do take away the locker room, Evo again in the 2021 season and allow 80,000 bucks into the into the stands in Lambeau Field, it's going to be one of the craziest, most hypocritical things you'll see. But, you know, to your... Your initial Jordan Love question. No, he's only been a lot, uh, made available to the media once. I know, I know I, you know, myself and a number of people have been asking for him for a long time. I think he went on some national radio show maybe a couple months back, and, and it is whatever. It, he, he said very little for the most part. But, uh, no, I, you know, he talked yesterday at length, probably 15, 16 minutes, Evo. I, I, you know, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good. He didn't say a ton. He didn't say a ton controversial. Um, but but I thought I thought his answers were were pretty succinct and uh, spot on for where he needs to be. He said he'd be ready by week one, which he liked that level of confidence. You know, he, he he dropped a little bit of a nugget there where he said he and Rogers talked a couple weeks back. He didn't get into the conversation, but but I found that a little bit interesting. And you know, it shows you that you know this isn't a Jordan Love problem at all. At least personally. With Aaron Rodgers, um, there, there, there's some level there where they where they do get along, but it, it, it goes much deeper than that, obviously with, with Rodgers. Um, but no, I, it, 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 it's it's the first time they tried on him out at least to, to stare into a you know to stare into a screen and a monitor, Evo. Um, you know, like I said, hopefully moving forward. I mean, it, it's so frustrating, Evo, by by this time in Aaron Rodgers' second year. You know, a normal player's second year, I probably had 20 face-to-face conversations with a player wow. like that. It, Crazy. You know, it, it, it's just the second time he's brought it, been brought out on Zoom since, since he was drafted. So, um, you know, hopefully we get a lot more of them. And, and, and like I kind of went on that mini rant there, Evo, hopefully we get the locker room back at some point. God, I, I hope you do, Robbie. But I, I got a sneaky suspicion that they're going to deny access. Um, just because, like I said, people, when they get positioned to power, they become gigantic idiots. Rob Reichel, no idiot here, joining us from Forbes.com, Comedy Media. Robbie, so on one hand, yesterday I see a former teammate say Aaron Rodgers possibly ready to come back to Lambeau. And then I see insiders in the NFL say Rogers completely dug in. What the hell's the reality of the situation? <laughs> and, 
and that's the thing, Evo. I, 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 nobody knows, and, and you wonder deep down, does Aaron really know? I, 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 I think it's far more likely that he would not come back. I mean, Jay, you, you're talking about James Jones, obviously, who was optimistic, saying King Rogers can and any King Rogers will come back. You know, but, and, and Jones said he had a private conversation with him. You know, but, but even there, Jones, Jones wouldn't get in any specifics. He, he wouldn't even get into what Rogers' real problems were with the organization and, and the Packers in general and, and things like that. Evo, this, this is just a guy who, who, honestly, he's the most stubborn guy in the National Football League. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's really no question about it. And, and when he gets a grudge, that, that grudge is never going away. And, and I know it bothers a lot of people. It certainly bothers me that he's not more forthright in, in, in letting people know what his issues are, what his problems are. Um, everything's kind of cryptic and, and said through third-party channels and things like that. You know, say what you will about Farr, but at least he kind of knew where he stood on some things, and, and he, let his, you know, he let his feelings be known, uh, whether it was to Greta Van Susten or whoever. You, you knew where Brett stood on some things. We're still all kind of guessing on some level, right, with, with Aaron. But I just... I can't imagine Aaron is the kind of guy, even knowing him like I do, and, and, and Packer Nation certainly knows him and has watched him enough in these last 16 years, that all of a sudden he's going to show up on July 25th and say, okay, everything's hunky-dory, right? This was clickbait by the media. Whatever his excuse is, I just, even I, I just don't see him trotting into town and, and, and you know, almost kind of having you know, his head between his tail, especially if the Packers don't budge on some things. So I, I think far more likely the, the, the scenario is that Rodgers continues to stay away, Evo. I, and I'll be honest, I don't expect him at training camp. I don't expect him during training camp. And I'd be surprised if he was there for week one. And I, I still think the onus is going to fall back on the Packers to have to make a really tough decision what to do with this guy. Now, Rob, I know you're no stranger to some strong opinions, and I call it no-nonsense reporting. You know, you're not kissing butts like, you know, people that work for ESPN or, you know, other places in Wisconsin. You're not an ass-kisser, Robbie. That's why we love you. So, Rob, what is your takeaway if the Packers – now, I I know LaFleur really didn't answer the question, but – Rodgers could be fined up to $93,000 for missing this mandatory minicamp. What's your takeaway if they waive that fee and they give him an exemption? Well, I mean, it clearly means they're just trying to, you know, pour as little gas on this continual fire as, as possible. And, and you know, I would expect them to go that way. I mean, $93,000 there in Rodgers is, is a dollar to you and I. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's all relative. But, you know, it, it does intensify once training camp gets here. And, you know, those are fines and evil that they cannot waive. Those, those, that, that, that's just, you know, that, that's kind of set in stone. There's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can do there. Those, those, those fines will go through no, no matter what. And, and I, I want to say it's 50000 a day, Evo. I mean, yeah, I, I that just look right. that up. I think that I think that's right. When well, once we get to camp, I think it's fifty k a day, and and that'll start adding up in a hurry. You know, he misses, you know, he misses twenty days of camp. That's a million dollars, Evo. So you know, that's that's not Trump change. Um, you know, we're also talking about a guy who's made two hundred forty two hundred forty million dollars in his career, and and that's just on the football field. He's probably made that in endorsements as well. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the money, Evo. You know, so ninety grand to him. Hey, Rob, I found it. Darren, when this is all said and done, is, is, is really next to nothing. Darren, so it tells me, it tells me, Evo, when you ask the question, you know, what, what, what is it the Packers are doing? They're just, they're holding out faint hope they can somehow solve this, this issue and this drama. And he is under center here this particular year. Um, but again, I, I don't see any reason why anybody in that building should be encouraged. Yeah, they, yeah. Have, they have been trying here for months. They have sent Murphy out. They have sent Lafleur out. They have, they have said, go to to talk to this guy. I have a feeling, Evo, once, this, once these camps end, they will throw up another Hail Mary and, and send the brass out one more time to try to talk this guy into coming back to Green Bay. But, but Evo, I just I feel, and I, I felt this dramatically after the Kenny Mead interview on ESPN, I just feel like this is a guy who's gone. Yeah, Rob, sorry to step on you there. Uh, Rob, but I found, oh, the, I found this tweet. Uh, Darren Ravel, he always does these weird numbers like uh, – like this would be this and yada yada yada. I found it finding Aaron Rodgers ninety three thousand dollars is the equivalent of finding the average Green Bay family two hundred and sixty seven dollars. 
<laughs> so there you go. It's chump change. Hey, Rob, before I let you go, man, let's do something positive. Anything positive out of these first two days in mandatory minicamp that's not Love or Rogers? Anything else you saw? You're like, man, this is impressive. Yeah, no, it's funny you ask that because I'm writing that for, I think, tomorrow and, and Saturday over the weekend at a couple different places. Uh, a lot. You know, you, you know um, we, we, you started with love. That, that, to me, is the most encouraging thing. And, and if he continues to make strides, Evo, and he continues to grow, and he looks like he did, he looks like he did yesterday in, in, in yesterday's practice, the Packers may have something, Evo. They, they may have a guy moving forward that they can win 10, 11, 12 games with. Probably not this year, but certainly down the road, Evo. I mean, people forget Aaron Rodgers was 6-10 and 10 in his rookie year, and it wasn't his first year as a starter in, in, in 08. And it wasn't until 11, Evo, that Aaron Rodgers became Aaron Rodgers, right, where he was where he was winning MVP. So, so this is going to be a process that doesn't happen overnight. But Jordan Love was certainly the most encouraging thing in the first couple of days here of mandatory minicamp. Um Evo, to, to, to some other things, you know, David Bakhtiari, I think, is maybe on a track to, to be a, to be an opening day starter. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buffs that obviously go into those things, but I think that was encouraging. Jair Alexander continues to stand out, Evo, on the practice field. I think they found something in the young center that they have. I, I think their offensive line is going to wind up being just fine. Um there are certainly some positive people, uh, but I think everything begins and ends with Jordan Love. And um, if, if he can continue to trend upward, Evo, I mean, it's still a good enough roster, Evo. If Jordan Love is 18th in the league this year, four back stats, which is across the board, that still might be good enough for them to win the division. So um, it's, it's all eyes on Jordan Love right now, all eyes on Aaron Rodgers, and, and out of people, a lot of this other stuff, which is encouraging. It's probably going to take a backseat until the Rogers drama ends. Rob, we're going to continue on following you at Rob Reichel on Twitter, uh, Forbes.com, Conley Media. And, Robbie, uh, these past couple days, I've been going a little later in Led Zeppelin's career. So your outro song today is In the Evening. How about that for you, buddy? Oh, Rob, we love oh, you. Man. We love you, man. You're the, you're the man, All Robbie. Right, buddy. See you, buddy. Have we'll talk to you next Thursday, my friend. Thanks, guys. There he is, Rob. Hey, Rob Reichel. Our guy from Forbes.com, Andrew Wagner. Andrew. It's been a little bit, brother. I missed you. Welcome back on these beautiful airwaves with your handsome-sounding voice. I missed you as well, Ebo. Rowdy, a little bit less, but, you know. <laughs> okay. Although I am I am, I am, am with Rowdy right now. Like, if I'm laying wood tonight, like, no way I'm taking Even though you know the NBA is scripted, so obviously they're not going to let the Bucks go down 3-0 because, okay, like you this. know, ratings. Yeah, I like this. I all like about this. the ratings. The Buffalo Wild Wings button in David Stern or Adam Silver's office. Hey, dude. The LeBron button, as I like to call it. Well, I mean, I think I became I became jaded over the NBA when it was the Milwaukee Bucks and the Allen Iverson in the 76ers when it was obviously just beyond rigged for the Sixers to go on to take on the Lakers. Am I wrong in saying that, Andrew? No, I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much been the the belief for twenty years, I think. I think Bill Simmons did like some breakdown years later about like reasons why you could say, "Hey, you know what? This was oh, it's insane. It's insane. Dude. Yeah, it's it, it is literally insane of the uh, the how the refs interject themselves in the final game and literally yeah. swing it. It's 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 very eye opening. It's crazy. Hey, you had sent me a clip. I want to play this for you. Um, so we love our Simpsons, we love our Seinfeld, we love our Parks and Rec, right? We love our South Park, uh, everything in between, King of the Hill. But that '70s show, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the clip you sent me here. Take a listen. The only thing that keeps me alive is watching the Bucks lose. <laughs> <laughs> and then it then it cuts right over to Red going, "Go Bucks!" Yeah. Oh my God, we love ourselves some sitcom television, don't we, Andrew? We are sick individuals. We are, we are very sick, sick and we're sick and twisted. Hey, um, okay, let me ask you this then on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, what's the most sick and twisted thing about the Brewers right now? Is it first base? Is it third base with Travis Shaw going down? Or is it that bullpen? What or the bat like obviously it's the bats, but third base, I mean, first base or if bullpen. We're being, if we're if we're being literal, we could say Travis Shaw's shoulder right now. Yeah, Man, that was sickening because it got bad. twisted. Yeah, like it it's it's a bad situation. Like in the grand scheme of things, I, I think they're going to be okay because I mean, Lou Urias is just—I mean—he's playing really well since you know moving out of the everyday shortstop role. He's a very adept third baseman, and his offense has been pretty solid. 
Um, so, I mean, I think first base is their biggest need right now. Uh, I, I do think Danny Vogelbach will be able to handle it for the time being. And I still think Keston Hira is going to be back at some point and, and play a big role. But, you know, I, I think right now first base would be their biggest concern because they're comfortable with what they can get at third with Louis Urias. Okay, so, yeah, I was going to ask you, was like, is Urias the guy, the answer there for third base? Obviously, I mean, you answered my question. So, first base, though, Andrew, is there – okay, the Brewers are now second in the NL Central. They're obviously in contention of winning this thing as of right now, despite how anemic and bad the sticks are. Are the Brewers going to be buyers, stand patters, sellers? Like, in your humble opinion, I know it's, like, what, two months away, so it's, it's ways off. But should the Brewers be bolstering in positions here? What do you think they're going to do? And please, I mean, don't tell I me, don't, please don't tell me they're just going to add like a couple of relievers in the bullpen that are like my. But I, I really, you know, I really do think that's what it's going to end up being because <laughs> if you look, but but when you look at who's on the market right now, look at the available first basemen that are out there. The list isn't that impressive, um, and, and and that means the fewer options that there are, the the asking cost gets a little bit higher. You know that you have a first baseman of the future, or at least you believe you have a first baseman of the future in, in Keston Hira. So I don't see them giving up a ton uh, to go out and bolster that position. And they're confident with what they can get out of um, what they can get out of Danny Vogelbach. Uh, so I, I don't think Stearns is going to go, you know, give up a giant package to get a guy just for a couple of months. Now he might be inclined to deal a couple of guys who are Rule Five eligible. That's always a thing, but. You know, we've seen David Stearns. He's not afraid of making the big deal. He'll go out there and make a big deal, but he's not going to make a deal just for the sake of making it. I really do think that the biggest thing that they're going to look to to improve is that bullpen because, listen, you've seen it now. You can never have too many arms, and this stretch they're going on, this is a key stretch, and I wrote about it earlier this week. You know, they're about to play – 33 games in 34 days going into the All-Star break. Wow. And, okay, that in and of itself is a tough one, but today is game 61, you know, or game 62. So they have all, everyone has pretty much surpassed their workload from last year. And, and this is the thing they've been talking about since day one of spring training, you know, keeping these pitchers healthy as they make that jump up from 60 to 162. So, you know, I know people will roll their eyes and you go out and say, oh, they're just getting bullpen pieces. But this is a big thing. Like, this is a serious thing. Uh, you're not even going to get to the playoffs if you don't have pitching, especially in the bullpen. And you've lost two key guys in Rasmussen and Fireisen. So, you know, I do fully expect that that's where, that's where you're going to see the biggest punch uh, coming as the deadline approaches will be the bullpen. Because everywhere else, I mean, you're, you pretty much have options except for maybe first base. But do you really want to go up and, and bet the farm for a first baseman when you know that Keston here is not going to stink offensively forever? So what do you think it is with Hero? Like, what is, is it just mental? Because I know he's going through some family issues. I, I, know absolutely, I think it's absolutely mental. And it's also the fact that he's a young dude with not a lot of experience and Again, this is an excuse, and I, I, I know there are, I even have editors, so you're just carrying water. Like, no, I'm not carrying water. <laughs> if you look at baseball reference, okay, he's got basically uh, a season's worth of MLB appearances, and it's spread out over the course of about three years. Mm-hmm. And, and in that time, some pretty weird crap has happened, you know? Yeah. Like, even his first year, he got called up. He was going back and forth because of the Shaw thing. Then he got thrown right into the fire. Uh, you know, goes into spring training last year looking to, to make uh, steps in his development, which is key because he had big things to work on. And then, boom, baseball gets shut down for four months, comes back, you're thrown right in the fire, you have a 60-game season, poof. Comes into spring training this year, hoping to work on his game. Hey, guess what? We're moving you to first base. Yeah. So that's a lot of stuff thrown at a guy. And it seems like he's been around forever, but in a baseball term, he hasn't. So like, there's nothing surprising about this at all. I mean, you look at some of the names that have been sent down earlier in their career, guys like Mike Trout, guys like Mickey Mantle. I mean, Mickey Mantle, yeah. remember, famously got shut, sent down to, uh, to wherever it was. And like the great story about him was like he called his father crying, saying, I'm done with this. Instead of getting a pep talk, his dad came, packed up a suitcase, and said, I thought I raised a man, not a quitter. But we all know what happened to Mick <laughs> after that. So like... 
you know, Keston getting sent down to the minors, you know, it, it stinks. And I've seen a lot of people say, oh, this is just a bust. But listen, the guy's a hitter. He's proven that time and time again in the college ranks, the minor league level, even at the big league ranks. Sometimes you just get into a funk and you can't get out of it. Case in point, Travis Shaw. Yeah. So, like, you know, people are worried about, about Keston, but, you know, the guy's track record says he can hit. You sure, so you I, sure I Mickey Mantle got a phone call? You sure it wasn't like a telegraph, like when Mr. Burns was second his uh, telegraphs and he uh, wanted to I knew, I knew there was. I knew there was going to be a Simpsons reference in there. I knew that was coming. You know what I'm talking about when Burns is looking? He's like, what's this, the Great Depression? And then he's lost all his money? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, then yeah, Lisa yeah. goes and helps him out being, uh, you know, with the... Cleaning up the oceans. All right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, then he, then he, he yeah, because he buys the recycling pan, plant. Yeah, and then turns out that was from turn- season eight, which is by far, by far, season eight is the best season ever of the Simpsons. I mean, you're in the, you you're in the sweet up, spot. You look up, you look up those episodes. Like it kicks off with Hank Scorpio. Well, and, one of the greatest characters of all there, time, and ends with Frank Grimes. Like, how do you beat that season? I would love to work for Scorpio. By the way. What a great boss. Oh, yeah. What a great boss. My, my kind of guy. My That's, kind of guy. Same. I would totally. I, you get sugar from him right out of his pockets. All right, Andrew Wagner joining us right now. And if you get the Simpson reference, you're, you're one of the good ones. All right, so, Andrew. Uh, yeah, hurry up. i got to get down to the hammock district. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I just, anyways, I could go. We could have our own podcast about this. All right, Andrew, when it comes to, like, injuries, Colton Long, IL, Low Kane, Craig Council said yesterday the earliest we could see him was, like, July 1st. What Can the Brewers – I don't even know where to begin with this question. The sticks are so bad. Uh, and what are they against right-hand pitchers, Rowdy? The worst in the majors? They are the worst. So getting a guy like Colton Wong, Low Kane back from IL, which maybe – who knows what will happen, hopefully sooner rather than later. Is that, is that the answer? Is that the cure-all for these sticks? Or is it just something we're going to have to just grin and bear it all season? I mean, if we're going to talk about the offense and say they stink, yeah, their numbers stink. But if you look at what they've done over yeah. the last – 15 games, I think what, they're, they're 13 of 15, 13 of 16, you know, the sticks are coming around. Uh, you know, and this is, this is the thing, what do we, we saw it last weekend at Miller Park, when the weather gets hot, the ball flies out of that stadium eight ways from Sunday. And so you look at the weather forecast for like the next two weeks, it's supposed to be hot, no rain, humid, just crappy. And then you look at the Brewers schedule and see, oh, they're home for like, 14 more days and then on the road for three and then home for 10 more. Like this is the time where it pays playing in that band box. So, you know, I, I'm not really concerned about the offense right now because they're showing signs of heating up. Yesterday was a misnomer. Like that team had the wind knocked out of them when Travis went down like that. You know what? Like I I'm surprised that they even managed to put however, what three on the board yesterday. Yeah. Like that team was, that team was shaken to its core, but you look at the run that they've been on, uh, nine, they've won 9 of 10 coming into that. They've been swinging the bats pretty good, and they've been getting it from up and down the lineup. So, you know, it, it, it's easy to point now at the numbers and say, oh, well, you know, they stink. But, and this goes back to something I remember Doug Melvin saying all the time. You can look at the standings, look at the one Ross Leckard, you can look at the stats, but he always looks at the last 10, you know, that column of the standings and that column of the stats, like, Look what they've been doing recently. Well, the Brewers Sometimes are eight and two. A, the Brewers are eight and two of their yeah. last ten. I just looked. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, they're playing pretty good baseball, and they're playing it in all aspects of the game. You know, up till yesterday too, their defense had been just phenomenal. So they're clicking. The offense is still not one hundred percent, but I mean, you got to like the recipe of those bats going at it in Milwaukee in that home stadium when it's starting to heat up, and you know how the ball carries there when it gets warm, like. That all bodes well. Then you look at the opponents that the Brewers are playing this month. Like, this is a month for them to make their move. Like, this is a chance for them to create some separation because Easy they're schedule. playing against Cincy. They're playing against Pittsburgh. They're playing against Arizona. They're playing against Colorado. And then their two trips are to Arizona and Colorado, mm-hmm. where the ball flies out of the yard as well. So, listen, I, I think this is a good stretch for them, you know, even if they are a little shorthanded. Like this, this month plays into their favor. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Wagner, uh, Forbes.com, joining us right now. A fountain of knowledge from baseball to Bucks to Simpsons to everything in between. Andrew, I'm looking at Freddie Peralta. He's on the mound this afternoon. His ERA is 2.25. Corbin Burns' ERA is 1.97. Brandon Woodruff, the big woo, his ERA is 1.42. Have you ever seen anything like this for the Milwaukee Brewers? 
Not for the Brewers. I was thinking about this the other day. This kind of reminds you of those Braves teams in the early 90s, you know? Mm. Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz. Like, you know, it's amazing because if, if you go back to 2019 when, uh, you know, they were coming off the NLCS run and everyone was kind of ticked off that they didn't go out and sign a big money pitcher and put these three guys into the starting rotation, it didn't work out. Uh, but this is what David Stearns and Craig Consell had in mind back, you know, two years ago. What you're seeing now is what they were hoping for. And I honestly believe that without Corbin Burns getting his butt knocked around the yard, without Freddie Peralta, you know, kind of scuffling and, and, and realizing he couldn't just live on his fastball, you wouldn't be seeing what you're seeing now. you got to give credit to those guys for, for putting the work in to get to this point. You know, this is – this is how smaller market teams have to do it. You have to invest in young pitchers and, and give them time to develop. So, you know, that's those three dudes and what they're doing this year consistently is, is really impressive. It is very impressive. And what else is impressive, Andrew, is your work at Forbes.com. We love it. It's like our Bible around here, and we love. And it's been too long, like I said. we got to get you on more, my brother. So it's been too long. It was awesome to hear your sultry voice. And to talk Little Bucks, Little Brewers, and some Simpsons, my friend. Oh, and that 70 Souls references. Always a pleasure, dude. Anytime, buddy. Yeah, we'll follow along at by Andrew Wagner. And, hey, you give that puppers of yours a good pat on the head, and I love that setup you have in your backyard. TV out there, nice little fire going. I don't know if you need a fire when it's 90 degrees, but it looks beautiful out there, my friend. Enjoy. Come out anytime. Come you on anytime. I'll bring some beer. What's your flavor? I'm a Schlitz guy. <laughs> Done. Done. I'll see you Done. there. You can even, we can, you can even do the show in the morning from the backyard. Done. Got it. Done. <laughs> see you, buddy. Later. There he is, Andrew Wagner. Good stuff right there from that cat.